Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. I'm Alan. I'm Brent. And we're here for episode 32 of AB Testing. 32. The last AB Testing of 2016. 15. The yes. last AB <laughs> Testing of 2015. Because it's not 2016 yet. And I was thinking the other day, when the year changed, I remember there was a time when it took a month for you to start writing the right, the correct date on your checks. Yep. But th- we don't have that problem anymore because no one writes checks anymore. That's true. <laughs> we sent email and email already figures Ar- it out. It already <laughs> has a date for us. So <coughs> computers are, I don't know if they're making us smarter or allowing us to continue they're to be dumb. They're improving our lives. That's a pain point for everybody every year. And it's now Wait, solved. it's a pain point they're improving our lives? No. It's, All right. Computers have made the fact that we no longer actually have to. We can remember what year it is at our own leisure. Yeah. Computers already know it. And now that I'm over 50, I don't really even care anymore. <laughs> have, you, have you noticed um, as you get older, it seems like time goes faster? No. Okay. It's always the same. The same slow march towards death. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Hey, before we start today, we have a very special, a very special, Brent and I are going to sing Christmas carols. No, no, don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't press stop. Kidding. <laughs> Kidding. Today, I wanted to give a shout out to a couple guys from Hotels.com who uh, sent me a LinkedIn request to have a drink, and they invited Brent too, and I uh, mostly forgot to invite Brent, and I forgot about them because I don't check my LinkedIn very often until the last minute, and... That was a really busy week, and I said, oh, hey, I'll meet you for a drink. So I met with um, Cash and Sam and David. Are they based in Bellevue? Um, the Hotels.com, you know, is owned by Expedia. Right. So David, and I hope that name is right, uh, it does work in the Bellevue office. Uh, very similar path to mine getting into software. Very interesting. It's cool. And Cash is their director of QA, I believe, and Sam was just some marketing guy, but nice regardless of that. I had a good time. We hung out for about an hour, talked about... The biz, talked about people in the biz, talked about the podcast a little, et cetera, et cetera. But always happy to visit with one member, any members of the three. Right. Uh, and it could. Is, do you think it's seven? No, it's three. It's three? Okay. okay. No, I like how you phrased it the other day. It, it's always just three. Just the, the, the people just rotate in and out. It's like turtles all the way down, right? Uh, something. So Hotels.com, I find it... Um, I find these type of things fascinating. So this is the second time a, a, a representative of a company has reached out, Redfin being the first in my mind, to the podcast. Yeah, interesting, yeah. Um, <clears throat> maybe that's a, a topic for the agenda. I don't know. I, yeah. What I, do well, you think? Do, do you have any uh, intuition as to what inspired them to reach out? I think they're going to be in Bellevue and and uh, want an excuse to have a beer. In some <laughs> regards, because I, I think about what we represent to the test community, because in some regards, to some portion of the test community. Well, to some portion, we're like sacrilege. And, well, absolutely. That's what I was thinking. All right. um, but I think that's changing. It's interesting. Uh, that's going to come up a lot today, because today we have a very special show. It's kind of like a very special Christmas, but without the singing. We're going to talk about some of our reflections from 2015, some, some of, including some of our favorites, not just for 2015, but just uh, giving a few shout outs. And then uh, we're going to talk about what's going to happen in 2016, including some wild predictions. Predicting the future is hard. 
especially when it's about the future or something like that. Yogi Berra quote. Yeah. Predictions no, no, are, I thought Yogi Berra was, what am I picking, Nick Basket? Oh, yes, Yogi, predictions are hard, especially when they're about the future. Yeah, I know. I had I, already got, gone down a path. I didn't want to correct it, so uh, we'll go with that. So For a baseball player, he was a wise, wise man. <laughs> okay. So, Brent. Yes, Alan. Give me in, kind of, what's the highlights? What happened to you in 2015? Give me your recap. Uh, 2015. Thank uh, you, Brent. No, sorry, I'll finish. <laughs> I would say the single most important thing that has happened to me in 2015 was uh, my new job. The ditto. Yeah, the the I had um, now in a formal data science role uh, on a team that has a lot of problems in this space. I'm, I don't know about you, but I they say men are all problem solvers, but I'm extra problem solvery. I love teams with problems. The biggest, the hardest, the the ones where people say we can't change this. I love those. I was going to ask if that meant you were a man's man, but I know that's not correct. <laughs> you, you can just look at me right now. <laughs> no, that that's not true. It's it's hard to look at you, Brent. So, right now, um so at work today we have an ugly sweater contest. And unfortunately for the podcast, it works better if we if we look at each other to to uh, be able to bounce off of each other's body language. And unfortunately, uh, I get to look at a cool sweat a t-shirt from Alan, and he gets to look at me in um, probably the single ugliest 49ers Christmas holiday sweat or sweater ever. Yeah, and I love this. Boring, thing. boring, 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 <laughs> boring. All right. So that's, for me in summation, uh, the absolute best things. I, I, I get to do data science stuff. Um, you went to Strata, too. So you, you went on the road for this. You- I, 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 um, this was a year where I finally went to New York, which was fantastic. Um, summer travels, uh, all I did was I've gone to Walt Disney World. I've done that before. Um, but it was the first time with my five-year-old daughter, so that's always fun. Very cool. For well, what me, about you? I uh, was thinking while you were talking because I don't wasn't really listening. Yeah, but I, I understand. You said uh, the job change and the new job, and for me, absolutely, this uh, much better role for it aligns with what we talk about in the podcast. It aligns with what kind of it sort of who I am and what I do and the value I bring to the team. Uh, I'm a hole filler. I'm a problem solver. I'm a, a wheeler and a dealer. Uh, but what what actually what I was thinking about was you said it's your job, and I said ditto, and which means same thing, which right. is something that only my I think, job is your best thing in 2015. But Brent, <laughs> let's talk about just to bring my age thing in here again as I as I continue to be mm. ponder my uh, my my decades on the planet. How long has it been since they've used a ditto machine? Maybe elementary Dude, school? Dude, I just flashed back to sixth grade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so I'm going to, yeah, um, I fire that word out once in a while, but I think I'm going to find the new younger hip word so I can relate to the, young, to the uh, more youthful listeners. I think Maybe they not. still use ditto. Do they really? That word? Does that word mean anything to anybody? Well, let's save that for the comment section. So... For me, I think uh, the closest is uh, IKR. I know, right? Right. 
Yeah, but you, but you don't say. <laughs> but you don't say IKR out loud. No, like I would go, look at I you. Know, and, right? I would look at you and go, "LOL," because <laughs> that's kind of stupid. So, um, other than that, um, great time. I did some traveling this year. I didn't write them all down, so I'm probably going to forget something. No huge vacations this year. The previous year was my year of massive numbers of vacations um, or massive time away from work. But this year, I did a quick trip to Vegas for the Better Software Conference to uh, fill in for a speaker that I canceled, which was great because that has turned into a, uh, a workshop for this year, which I'm excited about, in June. And I did... Um, in the Netherlands, uh, the Eurostar deep dive. I had a great, met so many cool people there. Um, it was a good time. I'm really glad I went. Uh, leading up to it, I have to say, and hopefully the star folks aren't listening, but it's like it, this happens to me sometimes when I do conferences. I go, you know, I thought this would be a good time to go, a good time for me to be away, but man, this is a hard, hard week to be gone. And it happened again. But I'm, st- I'm glad. I, in the end, I'm glad I went. So it worked out really well, despite my um, like 36 hours trip home. But great times. Um, let's talk about a few of our favorites. Um, I want to just kind of give a – and these aren't like – I didn't like stack rank these. I hate these top ten lists of blogs, Twitter followers, blah, blah, blah. But just – I just wanted to mention – It's uh, better than uh, – I mean, us retrospecting this way is, in my view, better than us forming together the best of A-B testing podcast. Yeah, because it would be like – Three seconds long. <laughs> go, hey, everybody, click. <laughs> so do you want to start? Um, do you want to tell me, uh, do you have a favorite podcast or blog or, or anything you want to share? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my absolutely uh, favorite podcast um, is the series uh, Freakonomics. They have a. Oh yeah, I've listened to that in a while. I do like Freakonomics. I listen to that every time, but I went and looked and tried to find um, one in particular that uh, just one episode that I was like, oh wow, and they're just all awesome. So um, my selection is uh, from a different podcast this american life uh, often you'll hear oh it yeah i like this american life on npr and it's episode 403 where they talk about the numi plant in fresno california and the story is about how gm just tried to do an experiment uh w- alongside toyota um and they shifted one of their american plants and it was the least a functional plant that GM was managing, and they were almost about to close it. Um, but they basically built American trucks or American cars. I forget what actual car they built using the Toyota process, and it was the first uh, plant that was essentially using agile methodologies for manufacturing. And in a matter of year. Um, it may have been two years, this plant ended up being the single most functional plant and profitable plant in GM's uh, fleet. Um, But if you go look, this plant no longer exists. It it got sold, and it's gone. And the primary reason was GM leadership. They all refused to believe it was because of the process. And I, I, 
Boy, there are lessons to be learned. Yeah, when, when um, put an asterisk. I put a put a pin in that. Keep on going, but yeah, that's going to come up later in predictions. I want to reference when when I when I uh, so I have helped uh, numerous teams shift to agile, and it has continuously um, befuddled and irritated me on how easy it is for management to to ignore how awesome what they are able to do now um view it as a one off and um abandon it primarily because fear of uh change uh, the fud fear uncertainty doubt yep the one biggest thing that that happened here um uh, was, hey, this changed the power structure. This changed uh, how re- reviews would be done. This changed uh, essentially uh, everything that the leadership was used to. And that was more important to the leadership than running a better business. Yeah, that happens a lot. You always hear stories about that. Yeah. In fact, sometimes I get mad at how often management air quotes management gets blamed for problems but there's an example where you can actually validly point it there it's a great episode this american life episode 403 titled new me okay i interpreted this prediction this this fave a little different so i'm not gonna talk about a specific podcast specific podcast i'm gonna talk about my favorite podcast and i couldn't pick one so i picked three there's three i listen to faithfully every week and, and one comes out multiple times a week, and it, it's my it's my morning commute show. So and it's actually my favorite. So I'll go in reverse order. My top three. Uh, so again, just sharing sharing random stuff. These have nothing to do with software testing. Like yours is actually you can relate it to your job. These are just things that actually help me get through the day by make by engaging my brain in different ways. And actually, for my number one, I do have a favorite episode, which actually is the most recent, which is it appeals to every bit of geek in my body. And I'm as a, I'm wearing my geek T-shirt today. My, I have a Smart Bear T-shirt. It says geek on it. But um, also, so with that preamble, uh, also from NPR, I used to listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on the radio all the time. I, I would, I would. Make sure I have my alarm set. So I, I love the show. I think it's Is that clever. The name of it? Yeah, wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. You don't have to look it up. No, I'm just typing it. In. <laughs> so, uh, wait, wait. Don't tell me. Is NPR? It's um, it's a quiz show kind of thing, but the it's it's done. Re- it's very funny. It's very witty. Uh, the the characters are great. They had Nico Case on last week, who I love. And uh, it was just re- it's, it's a fun show to listen to. I like it because I and they have they their guests every week. Sometimes you learn the most insightful things from them. Um, uh, I'm not going to go listen to examples because I can get into a rat hole. I never get out of. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Fun show. Listen to it every week. I skip the best of weeks when they're they're doing filler, but uh, it's always fun. I always always enjoy that show. And I always it's actually it's sort of a. Um, Way for me to catch up on current events also because the quizzes are based on current events, like what happened in the news. It's like, who said this? Then they make some jokes about it. It's pretty funny. It's really where I've gained the vast majority of my Trump humor. (laughs) 
Next one is I. O M G. I am. <laughs> F you. So, so I am a bit. I do like uh, kind of trivia. Rand, you know, um, when I was younger and had more free time, I'm the kind of guy that would go to trivia nights and pubs, and I drink more than I help the trivia team. So it was fun. I like. I don't like showing off my knowledge. I like learning the knowledge. So I don't care if I don't win or get things around there. Go, oh, wow, that's really cool. I learned something. So there's a show called um, Good Job Brain, uh, which I listen to. And it's uh, uh, four Bay Area folks, two men, two women. And they just do random trivia, fart jokes, um, uh, quizzes, et cetera, et cetera. But it's fun. So it's like trivia pursuit on the air. Yeah, but they're actually they're they're really popular. They actually did a podcast recording in a theater and people show up. <laughs> like they got they got they got serious game going on. That's fun. But my favorite one, appealing to the other side of my geek. Maybe we should think about that. No, no. Imagine what the podcast would be like if if we were entertaining or informative. Dude, we tried that at Redfin. <laughs> Oh, right. Good <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite um, uh, my favorite podcast to listen to is uh, uh, a podcast called Total Soccer Show, which is – I listened to the MLS podcast for a while. It's called Extra Time Radio, and it's just awful. The, the, speak, the speakers are awful. They just, they're just they're, – it's hard to listen to. They only speak about MLS teams, and I kind of like worldwide soccer. So I found this podcast – a year Which or so ago favorite? called Total it's, Soccer Show. It's not the Sanders, right? Dude, why do you have to like What is your favorite team? Favorite team is probably the Sanders. Is I it? like the the local team. You got to support the local team. No, I don't. Yeah, it says <laughs> I, I say to the guy wearing a 49ers jersey. Uh, yeah. Great. Um But uh, uh no, I, I actually thought you were Oh, maybe it's maybe it's our buddy James. Uh I thought that uh, you, I I thought your favorite team was some team in England. Well, my favorite team before the Sounders had uh, MLS league, even they had a, uh, a, a lower level team. My favorite team before the Sounders became a pro team was Arsenal. Where where are they? They're in the Premier League in in England. Okay, English Premier League. Gotcha. I think it's just called the Premier League now. They keep on changing the name. It's Barclays Premier League. I don't know. Anyway, Total Soccer Show, very cool. But their last episode, okay, I, I got to lead up to this because, like, last week they had an episode of they and they they cover games really well in depth. And one thing I like they do is they do these very specific predictions. So they do these predictions for games, and it's, and it's not things like you know, um, Man City will beat Norwich. No, it's the you know, goalie will do a tornado kick and score. Um, dude, 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 just. Don't call him a goalie. Call him the keeper. Sorry. That's All right. right. I had so, learned that. So uh, they'll say, um, so-and-so will do three step-overs, go around the defender, and score a goal sometime during the game. Or so-and-so will get a yellow card. Or the team will have three very specific predictions that, you know, just kind of – and they'll state why. So it's very interesting, their analysis. I love analysis, whether it's of software or of soccer. But last week, or maybe two weeks ago, they did an episode on uh, – the Star Wars starting eleven. So there's two hosts. And Star Wars let me, let me starting finish. eleven. Each one picked they a, a soccer team from keeper standard four four two four backs you know flat flat four in the back uh, uh, four in the mid two strikers. They picked who from the Star Wars universe would play each position and why, which was pretty cool. But even cooler 
this last week, they did the Marvel Cinematic World starting 11. So you had to pick from the Marvel Cinematic World. Which Are inc- there 11? Dude, dude. From just Marvel? Yes, there are. Yeah, they had different teams, and the teams were awesome because. Oh yeah! If you add in the X Men, you could get it easily. No, no, X Men actually are not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe; they're a separate thing. But we do have Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy to choose from. Plus, what do you mean X Men are not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? (sighs) Dude, dude, I cannot. No, dude, dude, dude. I'm go to. I'm not going to go read to you from Marvel that X Men are a separate franchise. But they're not part of the universe. So Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I can't believe I'm geeking out here, is where this universe that Marvel's created, like this is like like where Jessica Jones and Daredevil and the Avengers and all these folks live, is actually they, they can intertwine and connect. The X-Men, there will be no crossover. They're, they're separate. So anyway, dude, drives me crazy. You're looking shit up while I'm talking. But you got to imagine, who is your best center defender? Who is the best defender? Of course it's Captain America. He's got a shield. Who do you want to put in there to 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 clean up and make sure nobody gets anywhere? The Hulk. <laughs> and uh, I great um, the left back. Uh, I can't remember whose it was, but um, Groot. Sure, sure. I am Groot. Groot would be a pretty kick-ass defender as well. Yeah. Anyway, appealed to all all of my geekiness. Soccer and Marvel comics all at once was was really cool. Is Those there my a position fav- for Ant Man? Yes. <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> Actually, there's there's two ways to think Ant Man. Um, the best position for Ant Man is a striker, and let me explain why. And then you can stop looking at your damn computer while I talk. All right, Ant Man. So, so if you know soccer, what you, the good striker wants to do is stay just onside the whole time. And the metaphor they say is you want to stay on the shoulder of the last defender, so when that pass comes through, you can bolt forward and get to that ball, and just only have to go against the keeper. So. Ant-Man can literally be on the shoulder of the defender, <laughs> literally. And then somebody just kicks a through ball. He bursts into full size, gets the ball, scores a goal. Ant-Man is a fantastic striker. All right. I'll buy that. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty fantastic. Yeah, that was from the show. I did not make that up. That is stuff I learned listening to Total Soccer Show. So that's, how, about, um, how about Rocket? Can you do the same thing with dude, Rocket? I am going to take your computer and I'm going to bust it over your head. I'm I'm just amazed that the X Men aren't considered part of the MCU, dude. Oh my god, there's so right. there's so much of the wrong kind of geek in you. Let me I'll continue. I'm a breathwise geek, not so. Dead. I'm I'm only going to mention one blog I like this year. I I read. I have a, a a I need to clean out my um my feedly feeds. I have too many, and some I'd never look at. Some I always click on markers read. I've never read. I need I need a feature that says if I've never actually scrolled down in doing this blog, just remove it for me or put it into my you know back burner. So I need to do that sometime manually. But I read a lot of blogs and consistently over at least the past year or longer, I've been reading this blog called A Season Tester's Crystal Ball by this Finnish tester. Her name is Maret Firjarvi. That sound Finnish? I'm gonna it, I'm gonna it go absolutely with that. did, but. <laughs> I like her posts because I sometimes I look at them and go, I could have wrote that, but she wrote it better. I thought that's that relates to an experience I have, and I also like in testing. There are, I'm not going to 
go into rant mode, but there are a lot of blind followers of like of I see a lot of blog posts that are, oh, you've rehashed something one of the people you you respect has said before. You're just rehashing it, rehashing it, rehashing it. That's great. And then sometimes I see not only thought, but I see someone confident enough in what they're doing to stand up. And even if they know that people reading them are not going to agree with them, this is my experience. This is why I think it's good and blah. And I see that from my... Um, uh, consistently, so it's a it's a one of the few blog posts or, or posts that I always read when a blog post comes out. I wanted to give her a shout out, and uh, if you if you're not reading a season tester's crystal ball or following Maret M A A R E T P on Twitter, uh, you probably should because I think she has a lot of great things to say. You know what? We should. Um, I'll send you the the links to the things that I've I've put down because that makes sense to put in the blurb for this one yeah i'll actually have to write a, a, a regular like longer post for this one so yeah send me your stuff so brent do you have a favorite you probably did a favorite specific blog post but maybe not i don't know what do you I, have from the I blogosphere was, you want to share with our listeners I have, these are our gifts to you <laughs> so my absolute favorite um post i couldn't find because you're the one who found it, and it was, it was the um, so we could start with my favorite podcast, AB Podcast. Uh, I'll give. I'll, no, we're not. Oh, no, our, our my favorite AB Podcast was the Generalizing Specialist episode. Oh, what we, number was that? I don't know. Damn it! Long ago, um, it was the uh, Alan and Brent finally had the the. The generalizing specialist, specializing generalist battle, and then you came in with a, a post that that very aptly described um, generalizing specialists. Um, so, I, I for me that was probably the most important blog post of the year. Um, was that this year? It was. God. We did it like in January, March, February, right. April, May, one of those months. Um, the <clears throat> the non-testing uh, blog that I follow most is something called Leadership Freak. And essentially what he does is... Is that Freak F-R or P-H-R? F-R. Okay. Uh, it's on WordPress. He... What's his tagline? The The... Best leadership inspiration he can do in 300 words or less. So it's it's like a double Twitter, a double tweet, um, and he continuously posts and it's these fantastic insights on what it, the difference between leadership and management. Um, just just love it. And then on the test front, um, this one was harder. Uh, one of the things. Uh, that's that's begun to happen is a lot of the, um, in my view, the useful test blogs are really beginning to die off. There's uh. a lot of test blogs and podcasts that you, you go now and you go, hey, guys, last episode 2014, last episode 2013, last blog post. But Michael Larson's, Still alive and well. Yeah, and he's prolific. 
He's he's fantastic. I, I also usually I almost always read his, like ninety five percent of the time read his and beginning to end when they come out. The thing I like about his posts is he's learning and and publishing around how the test discipline is morphing. Right? Um you go look at his several last several posts, and they're going to be about agile testing, which I think is um, the next phase that we'll see um, those those teams that do have testers. I think that will be the the dominant way to do testing very soon. Yeah, Michael is another one who's. Uh when I read his posts, there's we have a lot of similarities um, in how we, uh, in kind of how we contribute to our teams. How about you? Or I, we already do you. We already did me. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, dude. Any other memories from 2015? Do you want to share before we go on? No. I got to meet um, Stephen Johnson this year, who is uh, I'm a total Stephen Johnson fanboy. Yeah. He's the guy that wrote um, How We Get to Now, which I rip off of a lot. One of the best books I've read on innovation. He's he's also where ideas come from, right? No? Where good ideas come from? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My son and I watched his – he did a series on PBS. And he was really ex- – I wanted to watch, and I, I said, you might like this. He's like, yeah, can we watch the next one? Can we watch <laughs> the next one? So it was really cool. Um, I think he's just a smart, I've actually tried a smart to... guy, great writer. You, you um, really enjoy him. Sometime this uh, this year, you you talked about uh, that that PBS show. Um, I've tried to record it. I just couldn't I think find it. I think it's on Netflix. Oh, no, yeah. yeah, fantastic. So send out the name. Send out the, oh, I will look. Yeah, I'll add that to you. We'll try and remember all this stuff. Um, I'll take notes while I ask you this question. So, um, any big road trips? Real quick, uh, any any trips for software planned in 2016? You going to Strata again? You going to do anything else? There's no plans just yet. Um, we'll see. All right. I'll be at Better next, Software. Next year, next year, my 20th anniversary. So I'm trying to think of something. Um, 20th work anniversary, wedding anniversary? Wedding. Ah. Oh. So. Um, the important one, the work one doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, the work one happened already. Yeah, I thought it did. <laughs> I thought maybe there was. A, we, uh, we, we had that story before. So I have a few months to figure out what I'm going to do there. Um, but other than that, I would love to be able to go back to Strata again. We'll see if I can pull that off. Very cool. Um, this year for me, I'm going to do better software, uh, in, uh, Las Vegas in June, going down for a workshop, probably just stay a couple nights, but if any of the three are there, I'm sure I'll bring it up as we get closer. Uh, I'm actually beginning to get really excited about that presentation thing. I can do a good, a good workshop. Um, when is it in June? June. You already know you you had to submit a uh, proposal, right? Yeah, I was told. Uh, yeah, I, I, the topic was given to me. It's, it's another thing. It's experimentation. Okay. Um, one thing I'd like to do. I don't know if you know about this, and I it never works out. And uh, as far as um, I mentioned before, that when I go to conference, it's hard for me to commit that time away, um, both from family and from work. There's always so much stuff going on, but. One of these years, I, I'm very curious to go to uh, Esther Derby teaches um, Weinberg's um, problem-solving leadership course. 
uh, about twice a year. I still really want to go to that before it's like doesn't happen again forever. Um, hear great things about that. So that may happen in 2016. We'll see how I do. But other than that, I have no plans. That reminds me, like every so often, Edward Tuff comes comes by. And I think it's Tufty, right? Sure, we'll go with Tufty. He comes by and does a presentation. It's very rare, but I haven't really. Been I think he comes by like once a year. Yeah, it's very and infrequent. It, I, I've never gone. I I've thought about going a couple times, but yeah, I'll put it on the, put it on the backlog. Okay, <clears throat> let's do some predictions before we get out of here today. Okay, so. Um, what you kind of hinted at it already. You kind of, uh, maybe you have a different one in your, in your list there. Uh, but what's a big trend that you, or something, I don't know, some, some trend in software you, you'll see in software engineering uh, in 2016. I didn't, I didn't talk about it. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I was, that one I spent a long time thinking about because when I when I look at this, I, I generally think through where do I see m- momentum, and, and it's usually across now four different themes. Do I see a momentum difference in dev, PM, test, or or now data science? Okay, and for 2016, um, for most of those. I do think uh, I don't think we'll hit a tipping point in any of those things. I do think we'll see much the same um, uh, slow-moving crap that we do today. I do think dev not testing their code. Uh, uh, I do think the arguments around, well, you don't even want dev testing their own code, will still persist. I don't think we'll have hit the tipping point that creates the momentum to shut down those arguments. Um, but on the data science, I do think in 2016, so my prediction is on, I call it the rise of the crappy data analyst. Um, I do think what we will see is a large glut of people who have used a couple of techniques, um, Plus, have a skill around uh, professing the emperor's beautiful new clothes and convince uh, lots of people to do really, really, really bad things without sufficient due diligence. So, I can take that sound bite without the very beginning, where you say they'll use a few techniques, they'll uh, make some choices and convince people to do bad things. And you could apply that to people. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. But, but data scientists has, data science has been the big buzzword for a couple of years. Just a couple of years. Right. Um, I do think training, like, I, I don't know if you're aware. Um, there is now an internal certification process oh, for Jesus. Microsoft. Jeez. You can, Go into I don't I haven't done any research on this, but I got to imagine it's going to be something ridiculous like a twelve week course, oh God. and get a cert certificate signed by Satya. Oh my God! Now, so I don't care. So <laughs> you have to see the parallel in this trend and software testing at Microsoft. 
told a story and oh, I do in that in that in that big uh, doorstop I wrote about the first tester at Microsoft. It's like, oh, we'll have this guy do. Oh, this is this guy does some cool stuff. We'll hire lots of him, lots of him, and then eventually figure out, well, only a couple of these people are good, and they, and and this growth happens out of letting a million flowers bloom or whatever. Like we'll come up with, we'll have way too many of them thinking it. And at the time thinking it's the right thing, then we realize, Oh yeah, some of these people suck at this, but some people, if we can weed them out and nurture them actually are helping things go forward. So I think what you're saying is you're seeing the same thing is happening. We're in the midst of that with data science. And I, I do think, I do think the, the, the great data science calling C-U-L-L-I-N-G. Culling. Yeah. <laughs> will, um, will begin. That would be interesting. I think uh, there are more and more managers I talk to at Microsoft to realize, oh, we don't – it's so stupid to think we need a team of data scientists, although you have one, um, but it's for a larger group. Right. Um, but that we need like a, just a few, one or two really good ones – so what do you think – actually, may I ask, what do you think the ratio is? What do you think the dev to data science ratio is right – is for a mature product? Didn't mean to put you on the spot. I don't, I don't know if it's answerable. So there is a min. I would say there's absolutely a minimum. And, and right. You got to have one. No. Uh, so uh, Two? those who the, – the, the one and a half reader who read my last blog post will, will realize that that I do think that that no matter if you're going to get into data science, you, you do need a, a minimum team of three to four people, but their skills are very diverse. I get it. Yep. Right. I read that. Um, but in order to scale, I want to say something. Uh, I'm right, making up numbers, um, but something along the lines of like one out of a hundred. Yeah, it was a stupid. It's a small it, ratio. It was a dumb question, and I think really that's the answer I wanted. It's. As the team grows, you need a, a minimum number so you can get the diversity of skill sets because having one person that can do all of that is, is impossible. near impossible. Okay. If, impossible. Uh, so you need the minimum team to get the skills you need, but after that, they can scale well. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Uh, were you done with that before I go on? On that one. Okay, so... I mean, uh, I have other things on 2016, but... Well, let me talk about um, my trend because it actually... Uh, disagrees with your trend a little bit. I don't know if we'll get to a tipping point in these roles things, but the thing I was thinking of when I saw this, when I gave you this idea was, how, when did JW do the test is dead thing? It's been like five years, right? Four years? Oh, Ish? doesn't matter. So I'm thinking... I think thinking, it's more than five years. Okay. And blah, blah, blah. It's a metaphor, et cetera, et cetera. Ignore this part. So... I had an interesting conversation over Twitter, I'm not going to rehash it, last week, which led to my latest blog post on roles and fluidity. I'm not sure if you got a chance to read that. I did. And with the idea that there are, I think there is a school. Oh, I can't use school. That's already used. <laughs> Shoot. There is a... Um, Belief system? No. Maybe, <laughs> let's call it a, a... I'm not sure what to call it. There is a group of people in software engineering who really truly believe that you are inclined towards development or you're inclined towards testing and doing both is you just can't be very good at it. I've had arguments in the past and around I, are great testers born or made. So I 
And the answer is it depends, but it, it's a little of both. It, uh, and I, as you know, I believe in generalizing specialists, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I got a, uh, a DM in Twitter from a guy I used to work with at Microsoft and then at Amazon for a while. We stay in touch and a uh, pretty cool guy. And he said, my post was actually getting a lot of, it inspired a lot of uh, great conversations over at Amazon. I thought, yeah. well, that's interesting. <laughs> um, because the idea is there's a group of people that believe that uh, you can't, you moving between those is the difference. And the argument I got in this Twitter, you, you can't do both at the same time. I said, yeah, you can't do any two things at the same time, but you can move fluidly between them. I believe that contributing to software engineering, uh, anyone can do not that anyone does every role, but there is fluid. I'm not going to say, so I don't want to be misquoted and say anyone can do anything, but there definitely, I believe, is an ability to move fluidly between roles, whether they would be traditionally considered a development role or a testing role or a data analysis role or whatever. You have the ability. I could work on a team and be feel partially, I could be one of the roles that Brent describes in his post on data science and also do some other skill, which may be testing or maybe development. I believe, yeah. and I wouldn't do them at the same time, I would move fluidly between those roles as needed. So I think, I think the riff and discussion between those two groups is going to grow a lot this year. Because I, I see um, more... What? The... the, the- the fluids versus the solids? The fluids versus the solids. You can call it that if you want. Because <laughs> I see more and more people talking about this, without using those words, but the fluidity of different roles, you know, whether they're on agile teams or uh, or not, or how they contribute to software in different ways. And I see the people in the other camp digging their heels in hard, saying, no, in order to me, for me to be a good tester, I can only test. And I'm paraphrasing there. Please don't yell at me. But um, but I do see them as the fluids and the solids. And I think the fluids and the solids, that um, it's not going to be a, a war or a fight, but that rift, that point of discussion between those groups is going to be prominent in 2016. I think you'll see talks about that um, if in keynotes at multiple 2016 conferences. What do you think about that? I don't know. That so. actually surprises me. Because that implies that, so you you go on the the conference scene uh, way more than I do, um, and I kind of would have expected that that had already come to a head. No, no, I'm re- I'm just start- I'm just starting to see it get to a point where there's enough critical mass on either side for there to be. Uh, a, a healthy discussion. I won't call it a, a argument, but a, a healthy discussion about pros and cons of both. So, in some regard, this is this is actually a problem that's happening on my team right now. Right. So, um, I, I like this this phrasing. I mean, the 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 fluids versus the solids. Right. Um, in my last team. As I've, as I've mentioned multiple times, I've helped multiple teams try to transition to to Agile. Um, and uh, the last team, the argument wasn't around fluid versus solid. It was around generalists versus specialists. And no matter what I tried, I couldn't get... Uh, the the um, the view was I repre- I represented the generalists, 
And I'm like, no, I don't know how to say this more clearly. I hate them both. (laughs) 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 Right? I'm not. But the reason why is because uh, the the people who were who who felt they were against me were clearly on the side of specialists and since they knew that they were against me they it, assumed you had to be a generalist yeah well therefore inductively i was a generalist um it's like um when people ask me about politics i'm like the i'm neither so i, I think i told you before i'm a libertarian and one of the stances from a libertarian is I firmly believe that both the Republicans and the Democrats are wrong. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. the Boring, boring. Yeah, boring, yeah. Where boring, was I boring, trying boring. to go to? I don't know. Oh, so the you think that's going to come to a head? I don't know if it's going to come to a head. I think – and because a head means something different. That I think that – I think the discussions and the, the – I think – that you will see a significant rise in the discussions between the fluids and the solids on, on software. This is related to what I think is the biggest change that will happen at, at Microsoft. Great transition. What is that? Um, I, say, I said much like what I was saying around the rise of the, the crappy data analyst, I think a new group will form where there will be a battle between this, this – um, craptastic data science. I think we'll start to see data science being scientific at the company in general. It sounds like the same as your last, your it, last it, prediction. Okay. It, it is. <laughs> but I, one of the things that I think will happen, one of the consequences, is I think quality orgs will die. Ah, that's that, that I like. Um. I do think, so what I put here, I think there'll be a glut of amateur data analysts that will result in bullshit reports, data puke, and a whole bunch of inactionability. I still love that term, data puke. Um, I use that on my boss, and he paused like he goes, yeah, data puke. <laughs> my boss uses it too. It's not my term, but I, uh, I adore it. Um, and then I also think that we'll see a rise, unfortunately, of uh, a bias beginning to flourish. That's known as the Texas sharpshooter bias. Can't wait to hear what this is. The Texas sharpshooter bias. So imagine this as a metaphor. It's. I hope so. You 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 got a. Uh, it's called the Texas sharpshooter bias. You can look it up on Wikipedia. But imagine a guy I, I, I shooting you, with his eyes closed at a barn. Okay, bang 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 bang, and then opens his eyes, looks at the barn, and then paints the target. Where the best shots are. Gotcha. That's the Texas sharpshooter bias. Okay. Uh, it's essentially um, you, you find a group and then uh, essentially claim, oh, it's significance, blah, blah, blah. And then you focus okay. on that one clustering. Okay. I do also think that dev will still refuse to test their own code. <laughs> I think they're going to move from refuse to have no idea how to do it, which is a, which is a significant transition point. And I do think that, but I do think the biggest prediction is that we will learn um, a whole bunch of new excuses as to why they shouldn't. Okay, I do think we are 
So in terms of the fluids and the solids, I think I think your prediction and mine might be aligned because I do think what's happening is, um, in my view, the 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 solids here are their foundation of of their fundamental base for their point of view is neophobia. It's a fear to change. Hey, I've done this for 20, 20 years. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And none of you have been able to convince me it's broke. Therefore, I'm not changing. And it's prim- primarily fear-based. But I do think that there is a, a stronger chance that uh, um, several groups, um, like the nice thing about fluids is we can, we can encircle the solids. And I do think that these, like, these folks will begin to feel trapped and um, it'll be somewhat like the caged tiger, and that's what's going to cause, if anything, this battle that you're talking about, this battle uh-huh. that you, this further entrenchment. Um, the positive thing, though, though, I do think that when that starts to happen, the fluids will outnumber the solids. Interesting. Last, the predicted, this is my predicted positive surprise. Test teams that have shifted to dev as a whole team and have spent the last year practicing the dev craft will begin to get noticed and noticed as not only a force to contend with, but better than the traditionalist teams. Yeah, I think, and we've seen that, um, but not in general. I don't think they're acknowledged yet. Not in general. I have seen... From dev from tests testers at Microsoft that have moved to dev positions, um, the good testers have become the best developers on the team in in many many cases. I I, I don't know that as a whole all those tests into a dev team. The, um, but a few of those teams will start to get noticed, and uh, for their engineering excellence. Okay. We'll see about that. All right. So I hope you don't have a long list for this because we're getting a little short on time. But yep. um, oh, I have to do my biggest Microsoft change, and then uh, yep. maybe you're, like your a prediction of a software failure. Oh, that one's yeah. easy. Okay, I'm actually going to go a little less about engineering, a little more about Microsoft and and stock analyst Mary Jo Foley. I know you're not one of the three, so this is purely made up, and I promise this has not no. Nothing from insight other than my experience and my watching the groups at Microsoft. But here, I'm going to throw this out there just to be a little bit more broader and, uh, um, I don't know um, what the right adjective is here. But I think, I think 2016 is the year Microsoft stops, cancels development on Windows Phone. I just want to throw it out there. Probably not going to happen, but I can think of a lot of good business reasons to do so. Yeah. <laughs> Prince, Prince trying to think of things. That won't no, no, fired. no. I, I'm, I have lots of thoughts here, but <laughs> I don't actually know. I, I'm, unfortunately... I don't know. I want to say it now. That's it. And then we'll just leave it. And if it happens again, we will have a special podcast. I'll let you do that. But the the things that I'm aware of, I don't know which ones are publicly announced or not. So I'm just going to say 
Huh. Interesting prediction, Alan. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. And to close, um, let's predict the biggest software failure of 2016 in advance. Again, we'll have a big party if these happen. Brent, shoot. Uh, so I, I took software failure in a broad sense. Of course you did. And I, I think this is the first leap year um, uh, of note since uh, uh Data science and being being counting has gotten so dominant, and I'm expecting to see all kinds of interesting screw-ups as a result. Interesting. I think, I predict, there will be – so we'll we'll note that. So Brent predicts, if I can summarize, very massive leap year bugs. But Um, it may not be software bugs. Right, gotcha. It could be conclusion bugs. Yep. I predict that there will be a major software glitch, failure, unreliability, or or security issue in tabulation and counting of the 2016 presidential election. Yeah, I don't think that... that, And that may not come out on election night, but within the weeks after, there will be massive controversy about some sort of software error or failure or hacking or something um, during the 2016 presidential election. The thing I do think along those lines that I do think I can very confidently say, um, this election will be the uh, – did you ever play Sea Robots? No. You, you, do you know this game? No. Okay. Old school game. You can write a little code where it's basically little robots. It, it, um, you can't visualize them, so it's just – I can cr- implement a a class of code. You can implement a class of code, and we can do uh, robot wars. Although there was no UI, it was all just, "Hey, Alan's robot one." Right? Um, I do think that this election is going to be the battle of ML, the battle of machine learn learning. Like everyone now knows that um, Obama made. Predictive analytics and machine learning a big part of his first election. And I do think all the sides are now going to leverage that. So and to give myself some uh, leeway in my prediction, I'll say maybe that it could even come out. The controversy may even come out as that maybe that one of the candidates, uh, whoever we end up with running head to head, relies on that and it ends up their data is completely wrong or was hacked to make them think they're wrong or whatever. Something big will come up. All right. Yep. And anything else, Brent? No. Oh, I think it's time to say, uh, say for or so long till 2016. So I, everyone have a great holiday. Ah, oh, that was sweet. Yeah. Have a great holiday from, yeah. from both of us. From A-B testing to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Alan. I'm Brent. We'll see you in 2016. Bye, y'all.